All right, we're gonna get started. My name is Hutton Jackson, um, and I want to welcome everybody in. I'm joined by Justin Byers, Brian Andrews, and Dan Alexander is gonna join us a little bit later as well. But welcome everybody to another episode of Bet on Lacrosse. Uh, Bet on Lacrosse Twitter Space. We're gonna try to do these as often as we can throughout the college lacrosse season. We've been doing a few during the NLL season and did some during the PLL season the past couple of seasons as well. Um, but to start, I want to introduce uh, my co-speakers today. We got Brian Andrews, Pro Lacrosse Talk and Bet on Lacrosse contributor, also the brainchild behind the Bet on Lacrosse report, as well as Justin Byers, reporter for Front Office Sports, and another fellow lacrosse better. And then Dan Alexander will be joining us. He's Bet on Lacrosse co-host as well as a Wager Talk producer. So we'll have his thoughts later um, as well. But first. Before we're going to get into college lacrosse a little bit later, we're going to start off with the NLL. But before we do, I just want to ask you guys like some quick thoughts on this college season that's uh, upon us this weekend. Uh, we'll start with you, Brian. Really excited for it. Glad to be back right in time for the season to get started. Uh, busy offseason, a lot of transfer portal news. Uh, I think this is you know set up to be one of the more exciting seasons. And this season does have some big shoes to fill after the way last season ended, especially in the playoffs with some deep runs from unexpected teams. I'm hoping we get some similar storylines this year. How about you, JB? Yeah, I'm right there with Brian. This year's going to be a lot of fun. Coming off a, a full year post-COVID playing, this is going to be exciting to see a lot of wealth and talent, and it spread out pretty pretty well here. There's going to be a lot of parity, I think, throughout college across this season. So it's going to be a lot to look forward to. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm interested to see, you know, how – well, Maryland does, you know, obviously undefeated season last year, um, pretty much, you know, ran away with it most of the season. Uh, Cornell, you know, challenged them a little bit in that championship, but uh, was never really in doubt. It'll be interesting to see how they adapt with some huge losses, uh, but, you know, still a, a very deep squad going into this season. Virginia is supposed to be, you know, even deeper than last year. Georgetown got a lot of transfers. Um, you know, Syracuse didn't make the top 20, but is – you know, kind of on the cusp there, one of the teams to kind of look out for, just given the, the incoming freshmen they have. Um, and then, of course, the Ivy League is going to be the Ivy League. A lot of competition there as well. So, yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. We'll get to that a little bit later. We're going to save that for the end. We're going to start off, though, with some NLL talk. Um, so we've been doing pretty well, Brian, uh, with the NLL so far. Uh, last week was a big week for us. Um, expecting another big week this week as well. Um not saying it's easy to read these NLL teams, but I think we've benefited from the fact that we've kind of settled in now, kind of know what teams are and kind of how they match up and kind of been able to pick our spots too, in terms of betting some, you know, underdogs in some West East division matchups, still some, you know, surprises. The Rochester Nighthawks are definitely a surprise. Uh, they were one of the teams I, I expected to be better this year and, told people to go place a, a future on them at the start of the season. I did not even expect them to be doing this well. They did get handed their first loss last week to Halifax, but I still think they're a legitimate contender. And it's funny the way the East is kind of shaped up. Uh, you have the Rock, Nighthawks, Bandits, Thunderbirds, um, kind of those top four teams. Uh, we expected the Wings to be a little bit better. They've kind of been in free fall mode recently. Did just make that big trade for Mitch Jones. We'll see how that impacts this team. But uh you know, they're kind of on the outside looking in when it comes to these top four East teams. And of course the Firewolves are kind of been the thorn in the side of some of these teams as well. So interesting to see. And then the West, you know, Seals still at the top, but I wouldn't say the Seals are, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say they ran away with the West kind of like we expected them to. Um, I think the rush are still hanging around there. Roughnecks are a sneaky pick. I kind of like as well. Mammoth kind of a little bit of question marks with them, especially now with Dylan Ward on IR. He's there, you know, 
MVP from last finals run, MVP of this season, I'd say, too. You know, he's kept them in a lot of games, um, some that they've been able to pull out. Others they haven't looked so good. He landed in the IR right before last game. So that's kind of a a big, uh, you know, big loss for them, and we'll kind of discuss that in a little bit. But I'm going to run down the NLL futures. I do this every week, so if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at Hutton Jackson, um, you can see where – you can get the best number for each of these NLL teams in the futures market. Um, I encourage everybody to line shop. I'm lucky in New Jersey. I have the disposal of all five sports books that offer NLL odds. So that's been a huge benefit to me. Um, but even if you, you know, you have access to FanDuel, DraftKings and BetMGM, definitely line shop. You can kind of get a better number. Uh, and, and if you, if you look around, so seals at plus 600, they're still the favorites on FanDuel is their longest number. Longest number for the Rock is plus six two five. They uh they never really got that long of odds, but they've slowly kind of been a contender. They're kind of the favorite actually on some of these sports books, but you can still get them at plus six two five on Caesars. Nighthawks are plus eight hundred on Caesars and Fanduel. Bandits plus seven hundred on Fanduel. Thunderbirds plus a thousand on Bet three six five and BetMGM. Mammoth plus thirteen hundred on Fanduel. Rush plus twelve hundred on DraftKings. Roughnecks plus eighteen hundred on Caesars. Firewolves plus 2,200 on Caesars. Panther City is plus 2,500 on Ben GM and DK. And then we have the rest of these teams on Caesars. Riptide are plus 2,500. Wings are plus 3,000. Swarm are plus 3,500. Warriors are plus 4,500. And Desert Dogs are plus 5,000 on Caesars as well as FanDuel. So Caesars loves to, to post those long numbers. They're anticipating, you know, People, they're hoping people will line shop and bet on their book, uh, despite, you know, those teams probably not having that realistic of a shot of winning it. So those are where you can get the longest odds. So definitely, you know, like I said, line shop, make sure you get the best number. We'll help you out in the long run. I've been able to put together a pretty decent portfolio where if one of, I think it's seven or eight teams that I have futures on win, I end up making money off of it. So that just goes to show like, you know, the power of line shopping. If I was only using one book, you know, I probably would only have three or four of those teams um, would make me money. So that, that's just another way you can kind of build a portfolio by getting better numbers on different sports books. So that's my two cents. You'll hear me say line shop probably every episode and probably get sick of it, but I really do recommend it. Brian, let's go into our NLL week 10 bets though, to start off. Uh, there's a game that we're, we're eyeing uh, both in this. We kind of have different plays on it though. So I'll let you kick it off with your best bet um, of the week for the NLL week 10 slate. Yeah, man, like you said, I think we've had a good beat on the season so far. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the favorites have been, for been performing so well. Uh, and I'm kind of waiting for the shoe to drop in that sense, where last year we saw early in the season, almost week after week, uh, favorites would be overwhelmingly winning. Uh, and then as the season went on, kind of underdogs started creeping up, teams started finding their groove. And I think we're going to hit that part of the season soon assuming the season's going to play out like last season, but it feels exactly the same. I think some teams are making trades. Some teams are getting, you know, their sea legs again, uh, maybe with their new players, like the wings with Joe Brasateras, who is like hit or miss. And we're, we were talking about them uh, kind of being surprisingly underperforming. Um, so I actually have a really light slate for the NLL this week. And we're both eyeing the same game for reasons that you already brought up. The Swarm are playing the Mammoth. Uh, tomorrow, and the Mammoth are notably missing uh, Dylan Ward, which is a huge loss for them, MVP, like you said. Uh, and the Swarm are also a really hungry team. They're currently winless uh, and struggling and really looking for that win, and they're in a really good spot to get it. 
so I think this is going to be a really offensive heavy game. You know, the Swarm have, you know, Lyle Thompson and plenty of other weapons on offense, uh, but have been weaker on the defensive side because they also have goaltending issues due to retirements. Uh, so I think this has the ability to turn into a complete shootout. And on MGM, you can get uh, over 23 and a half in that game at plus 100. And I think that's a great spot and the best uh, spot of the board of the games that are available. There is one game uh, that they haven't posted yet, and that's the Mammoths' second game this weekend, which will be played on Saturday against Las Vegas, which I'll, we'll also be looking at and can talk about in a little bit. Uh, but that's my pick for this week for the NLLs, the Swarm Mammoth over 23 and a half at plus 100. Yeah, I, I don't hate that pick. Um, I'm a little hesitant because I'll, I'll make my point why I'm a little hesitant on that. Um, you know, if it was 22 and a half, I'd definitely probably hit that over. 23 and a half feels about right for me, but, you know, plus money, even money there. Um, definitely don't hate it, especially with Dylan Ward out. You know, Dylan Ward being out is, is huge. And um, I think the the reason that I'm maybe a little hesitant is because the Mammoth offense has struggled a little bit too, which has led to some lower tolls. It's kind of, kind of been a combo for them, but uh, definitely don't hate that. But I, I think if you remember... I'm pretty sure I texted you the week after, or it was a few days after the Bandits Swarm game, their second game, they play each other back-to-back, that now that Dobson is in net for the Swarm, I really, really like the Swarm team to get a win against the Mammoth. I texted you, this is before we knew Dylan Moore was injured, before the Mammoth even played their last game. You know, the Swarm have kind of been on a little bit of hiatus, but... They looked good in that game because they got solid goaltending. And I think it let them be a little bit more aggressive, play the swarm style of game. They like getting up and down the floor. Um, you know, they have a lot of transition players like Jordan McIntosh. And I feel like they were playing a little bit safe when they had the goaltending struggles with uh, with Wendy early on. And I think that led to them, you know, they, they're still looking for their first win. And I think the reason why is because they couldn't really rely on anybody. We kind of saw that with the Seals a little bit too, where – you know, this high-powered Seals offense was kind of winning games for them, but their goaltending issues were a thorn in their side, and it kind of led to their loss uh, against Calgary. Now, Origlieri has cemented himself kind of as a starter, and they've kind of come, you know, stabilized a little bit. Again, they got to play a mammoth team without Dylan Ward, so that certainly helps. But um, I, I think goaltending really can dictate how a team plays, and, you know, you might want to maybe the safer bet is to just take swarm plus one and a half against the mammoth team. But I think this is a great spot to bet them on the money line. You can get that at plus plus one fifty on bet three, six, five. I still like it. If you get like plus plus one thirty-five or plus plus one forty. I mean, definitely if you have bet three, six, five, um, go get that, you know, larger number. But I think it's a great spot to, uh, to back the swarm. I'm still worried about the mammoth offense. I think they have some issues there. Uh, till we're not being in net should definitely benefit the swarm as well. And, um, yeah, well, I don't hate the overplay. I think that the play is to bet Swarm to, to win this game outright, and I think this is a good spot to bet them. And it's ironic, too, because there's another spot this weekend that we can kind of fade the Mammoth, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But, um, I, you know, I haven't been too thrilled with this Mammoth team even from the start. That first loss to the rush, I was like, okay, you know, let's see how they do next few games. And even in their wins, it still hasn't been a dominant effort. They're really missing um, Ryan Lee's presence. You know, he's still – recovering from that injury he sustained last year. So um, the Mammoth are a team that, you know, I, I got a future on them at the beginning of the season. And they're the one that um, of all the teams, I think I have futures on eight teams. They're the one team that I would actually end up losing money on if they won the championship, because I haven't really bought back in a lot of these teams. I've gone back to the well, you know, Rochester, I got in at plus 5,000, went back to the well a couple times, um, even at the number now when it was uh, 
I think it was plus 1600 and it's plus 1400. Haven't gone back now that it's a little bit shorter, but um, luckily got in a little bit early, but the mammoth are the team that I just, I just don't see them, you know, overcoming the rush or the seals. And I even think Calgary might have a better chance than them at this point. So they're a team that uh, I'm a little cold on right now. And uh, that's why I like back in the swarm. Another play I like would be my best bet as well is uh rush minus two and a half. Now me and you were able to take advantage of a, a mispriced line that kind of came out. So we're not, necessarily betting that if you follow me on the action app or follow brian on the action app where you can track all our plays um you'll see we have we have we have some money on that game but not necessarily rush minus two and a half just because we were able to get a better number but if you do if you missed out on that i still like rush minus two and a half just given the fact that logan Shuss is going to be out due to injury mitch jones is now out of vancouver they dropped they released justin salt uh this vancouver team is getting ready for a rebuild doesn't mean they're not going to be you know able to be competitive still down the stretch but against this rush team i just don't see it happening so um i think that's uh the spot to to bet in that game and that would be my other best bet um i would probably suggest as well but let's move on to extra money opportunities our emos as a uh, uh dan newbert coined a couple years ago uh what do you like as an emo for this week in the nll not a lot of great plus money opportunities like you're saying like if you're looking at rush warriors like I don't think the Warriors are in a good upset spot. Um, we already talked about the Swarm, so we don't really, we can't really give that up for an EMO. Uh, so kind of sparse, good plus money spots this week. Uh, but one good one is uh, the Nighthawks money line. Again, they're underdogs against uh, the Bandits. The books seem really reluctant to make the Nighthawks favorites against uh, Bandits and Thunderbirds. Seems that they've shown that they can compete against, but then also have also lost against them. So the Nighthawks are in a really weird spot, but you can get a good price on them, plus 150 at uh, Bet365. But you can also get it still at, like, plus 120, I think, on on DraftKings. So there's still good numbers out there. And as coin flippy as games have been between the top three to four teams, taking the underdog on average, I think, ends up netting pretty positive in the long run. So Nighthawks' money line is a good spot, given their performance. They finally got their first loss, and – I think they're going to bounce back pretty well from that. Yeah, I love that spot as well. Um, and that, to me, is a numbers play. I mean, we saw the Nighthawks already beat the Bandits. So no book should be hanging a plus 150. That wasn't a fluke win. That was a solid win. This should be a pick em. It is a pick em on some of these books. Um, I'd probably bet this, you know, down to like plus – really probably plus 110, you know, it really, I'm betting it because I love the price. I think this is going to be a close game. You know, I don't think the Nighthawks are going to run away with it. I think we'll see another tight game and wouldn't surprise me if the Bandits win. Um, but Josh Burns, we don't know his status. He might be out for this game. Um, you know, the, I mean, the Bandits are a solid team. Again, like, I think it's going to be close, but if you're giving me an opportunity to bet a half unit and win a full unit, um, I'm going to take that, you know, on a team that had already beaten this team previously, you know, so um, I don't know why that price is out there, but you know, let's use it to our advantage. And I definitely like that play, uh, more of a actual, like less, you know, from a numbers perspective, but just a play that I like is again, Calgary has really been a, a darling as an underdog. Um, you know, I bet them against the seals when they won that game. I think I've been in both t- times against the seals. I lost the first one, won the second one, but they just play teams tight. We saw it last week against the rock. Um, and I think they have a chance to potentially upset Halifax here. Um, at least cover this one and a half, which you can get at plus 105 on Caesars. Um, so that's my other extra money. It's a smaller extra money play, but uh, I like Calgary plus one and a half. I even like them on the money line as well if you want to get bold, but you're getting plus money already on the spread. So um, I, I like that as the, a bet, a little bit more conservative there because, you know, I, I do think it's going to be a tight game and 
kind of get that overtime insurance. You know, it's, it's always nice when you have a plus one and a half and then it goes to overtime and you can just kick back and not care who wins. Um, and I will say, I don't know if it's moved yet, but uh, if you go to FanDuel, if you have access to FanDuel, they actually posted a Halifax plus one and a half. It might be flopped. Uh, it might've been flipped by now, but if you do like Halifax, um, you know, that's kind of floating out there. That was definitely a, a, a misprice as well um, because they do have Halifax as favorites on the money line, but for some reason they accidentally gave them the plus one and a half. So just something to look out for on there as well. Uh, if you do like Halifax instead of Calgary, um, personally, I like Calgary, but you know, if you like Halifax, you can get a, a better number out there as well. I think it's minus 122 to, to bet them plus one and a half. So always line chop, as I say. And then the last spot we'll talk about for the NLL before we move a little bit on to the PLO championship series is um, historically, we saw last week that uh, Bandits were able to buck this trend, but I believe it is now, I think it's four and 13. Um, no, I think it's f five and 12. So teams that are playing their second game um, of the weekend against a fresh team, so on short rest, are only five and 12 straight up. And I believe it's four and 13 against the spread. Um, I'll double check that. I'll tweet that out. Um, you know, that's a th trend that I love. It already hit earlier this year with Panther city and it hit with, uh, Toronto beating Halifax bandits were able to overcome that, but playing it on short rest is historically very hard. So you have the man with that are going to play a tough game. We think against the swarm on a Friday night and then go and have to play a Las Vegas team on Saturday. Again, this Vegas team isn't that good, but keep your eye out. The odds aren't out yet for that game. Keep your eye out. If Vegas gets a plus one and a half or gets a favorable spot on the money line, I'm going to bet, bet Vegas. I'm going to try, you know, go for this trend again. You know, it doesn't always work out, but um, I like this a lot better than I did Riptide Bandits. I still like, you know, the Riptide to cover the spread last week against the Bandits, especially getting a two and a half. But, uh, you know, Bandits were able to overcome that. Um, I don't know if Cal Colorado will be able to overcome short rest against a, a scrappy Vegas team that's looking better as the weeks progress. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but that's a spot that has been uh, pretty profitable over the past two years. Moving on now to the PLO Championship Series. We're not going to spend too much time on this because we don't have lines. We do have uh, future odds on four different books, so you can get future odds on Bet365, Caesars, DraftKings, and FanDuel. I'll just run down again like I did with the NLL where you can get the longest odds. So the Archers are the favorites across the books. Um, their longest odds are plus 235 on Caesars. Now, there's only four teams, and it's a round-robin type of format. So we'll talk about this a little bit, but like I don't know if I'm really – get into the window to bet any of these. Um, and I don't know if I even will, like maybe right before I'll, I'll look at the schedule and see, okay, I like this team. You know, this, the schedule itself is they're playing all the, the other three teams, but if you like their first two matchups, then maybe it's time to get a, a future in them on them now. But again, every team makes the playoffs. It's, you know, you could have a team go three and O and then get bounced in that, you know, semifinal matchup. So, I don't think there's too much value on betting a future, but we will go down the list. So Archer's longest odds plus 235 on Caesars, Atlas plus 265 on Caesars, Whipsnakes plus 325 on Caesars. Um, so they're the they're the third team on most books, but actually the the longest odds on Caesars, and then Chrome plus 350 on DraftKings. Um, so again, like knee jerk reaction. I don't really don't know like this format sixes and these rosters it's tough to tell um i think the whip snakes are getting a little disrespected uh not you know having some of their guys is gonna hurt but like they still have a good core of guys it's not like uh 
you know, the Chrome that are missing a little bit more pieces to the NLL season. Um, and the, even the archers, uh, I'm a little surprised that they're so heavily favored. They, they're not going to have Tom Schreiber, um, you know, and uh, I think defensively, like, I mean, they do have uh, Adam Gittleman in net, I believe, or is he playing? I don't know. Brian, do you know, is he playing in the championship series? I forget. I, I don't know for a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is considering he was involved in the U S men's team sixes. Yeah. I know they so, shot with Shuda. So, um, but yeah. anyway, I, a lot of unknowns. So my recommendation, don't bet any of these, but maybe look at the schedule and you're like, okay, you know, I think let's say you, you like the whip snakes to win their first two games. Hey, maybe you do want to get in right now. The whip snakes and Chrome are the two that I would kind of eye Archer's Atlas. It's like, you know, their odds aren't probably going to get much shorter or longer um, unless they drop a few games, but I don't know. Futures, I just don't think are the way to play it. I, I'm excited to bet on this and it'll be interesting to see how the, the books uh, set lines, but um, not really rushing to do any of that. And I know Dan ha- wasn't able to pop on yet, but uh, you know, he was had a gun to his head to, to pick. He said the whips, um, you know, he likes Carlson's deadly and tight. Burnlor is also, you know, a good go- goalie. So uh, he's also kind of on our side with not, betting these, but, um, he does like the whips value uh, at the price that they're at right now. Um, and you know, I was kind of thinking the archers are probably the favorite just because of the offensive firepower that they have. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what happens. And we're definitely looking forward to it. I don't know, Justin, do you have any thoughts on uh, the PLO championship series? Did you bet any of these futures or are you kind of staying away like us? Yeah, this one's tough just because of the number of teams we've got in the rosters, but, you know, kind of looking at it now and kind of going off what you guys were just saying, the, the roster that's most appealing to me is this Atlas team, just because it seems like they've got the best collection of athlete and looks like they also have the best guys with the best sticks. With Drake Porter and, and Jack Kenny as your goalies, I, I feel pretty safe there. But anytime you've got uh, Costa Beal and Chris Gray on the same team, and especially Docs Aiken too, you can have some success. So I, I'm liking the Atlas team. Yeah, I, I honestly think they should probably be favored just given their roster. And, um, you know, Joe Keegan tweeted out that uh, Romar Dennis and Costabile have the most 13-yard uh, goals in the PLL. Uh, of the of the players on these championship series rosters, they each have 19. And uh, that's something also to watch. You know, now that the arc has moved in two yards from 15 to 13, we're going to see a few more two-pointers. It'll be interesting to see how coaches factor that in because – even though the arc was moved in a yard from the MLL, we haven't really seen teams effectively deploy like a strategy to score twos. You know, you, you think of the chaos in the bomb squad in that first season, but that was again, more of a transition style. It, no team has really actually put an emphasis on trying to score two pointers because it's still a very low percentage shot in this league. 13 yards though, that's a big difference. So it'll be interesting to see if teams really pull up and then, you know, the, the rule of, ball going out of bounds there's not really runouts in sixes um our team's a little bit more conservative though you know that's also going to be interesting so it's kind of a double-edged sword there um definitely looking forward to it but not sure how how it, they'll play it i don't know brian you have any similar thoughts yeah i think the one thing that i need to see from the rosters is what are the short stick defensive midfielder squads looking like for each of these teams all these teams are missing notable players like the Atlas are missing Danny Logan because of the, he's on the seals, for example. And I really like that you guys all brought up, for example, the closer two point arc, because it's going to force shorty defensive players 
to pressure out to avoid short range two point shots because they are low percentage. You don't want their hands to be free and they don't get the run out. So you want to be able to pressure out there and teams who struggle there, I think are going to open themselves up to shots on the inside, maybe easy two point uh, attempts, which would benefit the Atlas a lot. Um, And a lot of short stick defensive middies are going to need to be able to run transition offense. Who's going to be available for what roster and succeed in that in the sixes format. Uh, So for that reason alone, uh, I'm holding off for many of these futures, but that's one of the things that I'm looking at the most is who, who's going to have the best short six defensive midi core. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the other interesting thing too is, you know, hopefully they'll set totals, but how do these sports books set totals? Because obviously the arcs moved in closer, a little bit faster pace, shorter field. These totals are going to have to look a little bit different than what we're used to as well. So it'd be interesting to see if like the numbers are high enough um, for us to play unders, or if you're just like, uh, you know, I'm going to bet the over because I expect a lot, a lot of goals too. You know, I, I, there's not really a lot of research. It's tough to go off of. It's going to be kind of like a, uh, feel it out for a couple games, I think, but, uh, definitely interested to see how, um, betting looks for this PLL championship series. We'll move on now to NCAA. Uh, Brian, you want to talk a little bit about, um, what we're trying to do now with the bet on lacrosse report for NCAA this season. Yeah, sure. So, uh, if you've listened to the channel a lot, we reference the betting reports for the respective leagues very frequently for the NLL and PLL. And there's a sign-up form on the Pro Lacrosse Talk website uh, to gain access to those. Uh, they're interactive data reports, which uh, give you uh, teams, who they play against, what lines they get, uh, general trends, league-wide trends for the money line spread and totals. Uh, you can see matchups, who's scoring the most, who's uh whose offense is the least consistent, most consistent, stuff like that. And you can see trends along the whole season. Uh, and we've been talking for a long time about introducing a similar product for uh, the NCAA, but it, we've had to discuss about what we're going to track and what we're not. And this year we are going to commit to tracking that information sufficient for a report. Uh, so if you are interested in that, make sure you go sign up on the Pro Lacrosse Talk website to gain access to the NCAA report, which we'll probably wait to release for like two weeks because the report in week one for any of these seasons, NCAA, NLL, PLL, are pretty useless because you only have a couple of teams show up. Uh, they'll only have one game played at most. So there's not a lot to information to take advantage of. But by week two, the report should be pretty rich in information by that point with how many teams play on any given week in the NCAA. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll start referencing that more on the show in the future. Yeah, no, definitely. It's been a very valuable resource for the PLO and NLO in terms of, you know, looking at macro trends, like how teams against the spread have done, um, you know, like, especially like, you know, two and a half point spreads that we don't see too often. It's nice to kind of be able to reference that as well as like micro trends too. Like, you know, we mentioned the trend of, teams on short rest uh, you have to do a little bit of you know your own kind of digging uh in the report to do that but you know those are the type of things that it's valuable for us to be able to go back and look at like previous seasons and um unfortunately we just didn't have the bandwidth to do it last season but we're committed to it this year and uh you know like you said it will take a little a couple weeks for it to be actual of actual use because you know there is no data to go off of yet but once we kind of get to see those macro trends, like, you know, how, how, what's the average total, you know, kind of being uh, in the dance double A and then kind of, are these going over or under uh, it should be of value. You know, there's no blind uh, way to, to play a lot of these games, but uh, it can definitely help you become a more informed and kind of 
better better and also kind of make decisions too in a more informed way where you look at a total like oh that looks high to me but you know is it really high in relation to a lot of these other games you know that's something that can be of use so yeah definitely look on the be on the lookout for that um and before we kind of get into our best bets and extra money opportunities let's talk a little bit of some of the line movement so uh, lines opened up, I, I think, about a month ago, um, and we kind of put out a pod uh, and you know gave our initial thoughts on that. Um, I've kind of seen some line movement. The one, game that had the most line movement is Jacksonville. They were minus 155 on the money line, um, and they're now minus 115 and a, a pick em with Hopkins. So Hopkins is also minus 115 on DraftKings, although if you like Hopkins, you can actually still get them at plus 110 on Caesars. So if you have access to Caesars, better number out there um, than the one on DraftKings. And they are still one and a half point underdogs, but uh, that's a, a line that's really blown up. So you, you could, if you would have b- bought into it initially, it, you would have had to lay, I think minus one ten to bet Jacksonville minus one and a half. Now plus one thirty five to lay one and a half with Jacksonville. Um, I don't think that line will flip. Books usually don't want to flip lines, especially like that, because you know they're fine moving in a point if needed, but a game that close, they're not going to want to flip the line and end up having liability on both sides like that. So you won't see the line flip. You might see a slightly better price as we get closer to game time. I just think that Hopkins is, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but I just think Hopkins is getting a lot of love because of their name. Um, But people might be overreacting just because of the fact that Jacksonville played really well last year. They did lose to Hopkins last year in their first game. Um, So, you know, still got to, Still trying to look for that first win against Hopkins, but uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised if uh, they end up not only winning but covering. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then Duke, eleven and a half point favorites against Bellarmine. They're now ten and a half point favorites. So if you liked Duke initially, you kind of get a better price on them now. If you waited, um, we hopped on the Bellarmine just because twelve goals is a lot. You know, even for a Duke team that we think is going to be a little bit better this year. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know how much better they're going to be this year. And uh, I just think that is a lot to lay. And the last time they beat a team by 12 or more in their season opener was 2018 when they went to the NCAA championship, I believe. So um, not too crazy about, uh, you know, laying 10 and a half with them. Um, I don't know now, you know, I'm of the belief that if I can't get that first number, Bellarmine 11 and a half, I don't know if I'd recommend getting the 10 and a half, but still a a large spread to be laying, even for a Duke team that many expect to, to be pretty good this year, but just something to look out for. And then finally, not necessarily line movement, but um, Maryland seven and a half on DraftKings, seven and a half point favorites, only six and a half point favorites on Caesars. So no line movement with those, but just something to look out for. Again, if you if you like Maryland, go ahead and bet it on Caesars. If you like Richmond, go ahead and bet it on DraftKings, so you can get the better number there. Um, don't recommend middling, but that's also <laughs> an opportunity too if you if you really want to try to think that uh, you know Maryland's only going to win by seven exactly seven goals uh you could win both bets but don't recommend doing that let's go to best bets though uh let's start with you justin give us your best bet for the ncaa opening weekend yeah uh, to start things off i'm rolling with the buckeyes minus five and a half against air force and i'm really high on this ohio state team heading into this year i think this is probably the most well-rounded team we've seen from the buckeyes in a little bit and plus, they're kind of kicking things off. There's a rejuvenation around the program with the new stadium and, and with the talent they have. And so I, I'm, I haven't seen much, of course, from that Air Force team, even what we saw last year. The only real threat I think they have is, is Brandon Todd. Other than that, I think the, the Buckeyes, from a defensive standpoint, might have their way. And the Buckeyes, re, they returned Jack Myers and Colby Smith, which 
They were their two leading scorers last year. I think they pick up right where they left off. I like that number at five and a half. I wouldn't go um, anywhere over that just in case we, we do see a little bit of pre-early season jitters, a lot of turnovers. I know the weather's probably going to be around 30 degrees in Columbus, so we'll see how that goes. But I, I feel comfortable with this five and a half just because of the team that um, the Buckeyes are going to have out there. Yeah, that's an interesting pick. And, you know, you got Marcus Hudgens now um, transferring from Army to Ohio State. He's inserted into that lineup, you know, to a defense that was already pretty good last year. So definitely uh, don't hate that play at all. And um, it'll be interesting to see how the Buckeyes do this season. Kind of a little underwhelming of a season last year. They had some big wins, but, um, you know, really it, it was Maryland's conference to lose um, in that Big Ten. So Rutgers was the closest to, to kind of making a, you know, a chance at, Maryland, but they didn't even come that close. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Ohio State does. You know, Bobby Van Buren's also another guy on that defense that uh, was a stud last year. So we'll see how that this defense does, but definitely don't uh, hate that play. Brian, what are you thinking for best bets? I absolutely love finding value in mid-major games where I think the books have less information to go off of and pay attention a little bit less. So I'm going to talk about uh, Mount St. Mary's versus Navy. Mount St. Mary's opened at five and plus five and a half, probably around minus 120. I don't remember the exact uh, number. And it's since moved to plus six and a half against Navy. I don't particularly see Navy as a, you know, high scoring threat. Mount St. Mary's actually got a win last year against Navy for the first time in program history, even though they've only played against each other, I think like four times in the, before 2021, it was like the two thousands when they last played. So there's not a lot of historical data to go off of, but it's, it's early season. I don't think Navy is an offensive powerhouse and I don't think Mount St. Mary's is particularly great either, but for Navy to win by seven or more, I think is a heavy ask for the first game of the season. So I'm going to roll with the dog in this one, Mount St. Mary's plus six and a half. Yeah, that's interesting too. I forgot about that as a one that had the line move a little bit. And um, you know, that's one of those, those spreads too that, you know, even if Navy gets out to a pretty decent lead, like that back door is always going to be open for Mount St. Mary's. So um, definitely don't hate that play as well. I think that's a, a good one. And especially given the history of the teams, you know, you, you can't can't look at past performances as indicative of, you know, future results. But um, the fact that Mount St. Mary's was able to win against Navy last year is enough to kind of get me to also probably bet that plus six and a half as well. So um, kind of like that. It'll be interesting to see how Navy does now with uh, Xavier Arline, um, you know, in the fold for the full season, presumably. Uh, he is also still doing spring workouts, too, with the football team. Probably going to be the starting quarterback for Navy next year as well, depending on, you know, what they do. Um, but, yeah, definitely, definitely interesting there. Um, I'm going Utah plus two and a half. Uh, it's now down to minus 115. I think it might have been at plus money at one point um you know maybe plus maybe even money or plus 105 but now down to minus 115 i still like it might sprinkle on the money line as well um they've played this denver team tight though the past two seasons denver's gonna be without jack Hanna. alex simmons is now at syracuse um i know it's you know tyranny's last home opener but i think this utah team's gonna be competitive they're returning you know they're leading their leading scorer leader in ground balls leader in cause turnovers like this team is gonna look pretty similar to what it did last year and they've come oh so close to beating Denver the past two seasons, losing by one in both their past two matchups. So I think plus two and a half is a gift. Um, you know, I, I feel like this should be more like a one and a half um, game, but maybe, you know, maybe the books are trying to entice us on that. But that's the my favorite bet um, uh, for in terms of just a best bet 
Um, kind of lean towards the under two. That under did move from 25 and a half to 24 and a half now, though. Don't like it as much at 24 and a half. Um, I feel like these teams do tend to play a little bit slower pace, and I think it is going to be low scoring. But last year we saw 27 goals between these two teams. I know I was definitely on the under in that game, and it didn't hit. So I'm a little scared to, to bet the under again this game, but I do have a half unit on it. But best bet, Utah plus two and a half. Now moving on, we'll go to our extra money opportunities. Um, I'll just give Dan's right now. He's not on right now, but uh, he likes Utah's money line. A little sprinkle of that at plus 200. Um, I think it was plus 220. Again, like moved a little bit, but still he likes Utah to get that upset. So that's his extra money opportunity. Justin, what's your extra money opportunity? Yeah, we're kind of building off of what Brian was talking about when it comes to the mid-majors. Uh, I'm rolling with Merrimack in this one. I know uh, it's it's one of those games that I know some people might be hesitant to bet on just because of the the youth of the program itself in Merrimack. But if you look at their schedule last year, they were competitive, and they, they kept themselves in a lot of games. I think it what I counted – there was only two to three games that they lost by four goals or less. So they, they're right there. And I think they take a, a, another step forward with uh, another year of experience under their belt. And, you know, I expect them to come out the gate one to prove something. So with Hofstra being what it is right now, they've had their, their glory days in the past. But um, I haven't seen much from this team in the past two seasons. So I, I'm taking Miramac on this one. Yeah, another uh, good spot there to back a team that, you know, is kind of coming into their own. Um, a team that kind of caught my eye a little bit, but I'm not I'm not going to bet it. Um, I probably should have mentioned this in our best bet section or, like, you know, prior to that. But uh, it is interesting to see uh, it's a lot of points, 11 and a half. You know, that's why I mentioned that I was on Bellarmine, not Duke. But Marquette's playing Lindenwood. That's making the jump to D1 this year. Um, I'm just wondering how big of an adjustment that's going to be for them. Uh, you know, again, I'm not saying bet this, but that's just a spread that, is, is enticing to me just because it's like, oh, 11 and a half. Like, you know, I just gave a reason why I liked Bellarmine to cover 11 and a half, but I'd probably almost go Marquette just because of the fact that this team is making the jump to D1. I don't know. Just something to, that kind of caught my eye looking at these odds. Don't have a play on it either way, but uh, definitely interesting to kind of pick your spots with, uh, you know, teams that are, have programs that are maybe just starting out or again, making that jump to D1. Um, and I know, team that's been at D1 for a long time, but kind of bottom tier a little bit is uh, VMI, but you have a play on this game, Brian. Uh, they're playing Detroit Mercy. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so continuing down the mid-major rabbit hole, uh, I was scrolling through the games. This line wasn't up when we originally talked about it, but uh, VMI is playing Detroit Mercy, and I love this spot for VMI purely from a narrative perspective. Obviously, historical data is not you know indicative of future results, but listen to the story of this game from last year, for example. VMI is a four-win team last year. Detroit Mercy is like a two-win team last year. They play early in the season last year. VMI goes up 9-4 in the first quarter and is held scoreless in the second half of the game by Detroit Mercy and loses 16-11. I know VMI, those guys in the locker room, have been punching air for literally over a year. This game is circled on their calendar. Detroit Mercy is not a team that – probably had a lot of growth in one off season. I think VMI is going to try to open the season with an absolute bang and come in swinging against this Detroit Mercy team. So I'm taking VMI on the money line at plus uh, 120. That's just a hilariously fun story for me to follow. And it gets me hype about a mid-major game that I otherwise probably wouldn't have watched. So go VMI. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and that's the beauty of betting is, uh, you know, getting to watch games that you maybe didn't have any interest in and, and root, you know, even if your team's losing by six, but if you have them at uh, plus six and a half, <laughs> you know, you can kind of still have some stake late in the game, even during some of these blowouts. So, um, yeah, I don't hate that at all. And uh, in terms of these games in general, before I get to my extra money opportunity and kind of wrap it up, I know you're on this as well, Brian, but I do recommend, you know, just have a little discipline with this first weekend because there's still a lot of unknowns about these teams and it'll probably take a few weeks for us to, you know, kind of get a, a good picture of what these teams are, especially college, you know, a lot of turnover each year. So don't go and bet, you know, the whole slate. We're giving you a lot of plays here. Don't feel like you have to bet them all. Um, you know, I only really, I think I'm betting, you know, four games officially. Uh, I have a, a bet on Duke Bellarmine, a bet on Syracuse minus two and a half. Um, although that wouldn't be one of my strong plays. I only have a half unit on it. So, don't feel bad about, you know, throwing some half unit on plays if you if you like the play, but you're still kind of a little uncertain. Like, and if it's a play that you feel like you would be mad that you didn't bet, but it's one that you're still also not super confident in, throw a half unit on or just, you know, make your unit size a little bit smaller for those or just jot them down for the first week, you know, and see how you do if you're not comfortable actually putting, you know, real money to it. That's also a good way if you're starting out. But don't feel like you have to bet all these plays that were given out. Um, and, uh, you know, just be smart with, with your money. That's something we always try to preach is the responsible gambling. You know, um, we, we, we do indulge in some parlays sometimes, but we're not big on, you know, giving out parlays. You won't really hear us give out parlays. Um, although, you know, with some of these favorites, it is probably, uh, not a bad idea. You know, if you're, you're putting, you know, Maryland or Duke in a parlay, uh, you know, you're probably going to come out as a winner, but you're also still probably going to lay a lot of juice if you're just doing like a two teamer like that. So, all in good fun for those. Uh, don't just make it all you do. You know, some of these lotto ticket parlays look fun on paper and they're great when they hit, but um, long term, not as profitable. So, you know, pick your spots for those is what I'd recommend. Um, but with that, I will give you my extra money opportunity. I know you're on this as well, Brian. Um, Jacksonville, minus one and a half, plus 135. You know, I like them on the money line too at minus 115 if you want to, you know, save yourself from this potentially being an overtime game and lo it, losing your bet before it gets to overtime. But uh, I think Jacksonville is going to win this game. I think they'll win by margin. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a, a runaway, but um, I do like them to cover that one and a half spread. I, I like that bet before it moved to plus 135. You know, I probably would have bet this even if it was, you know, minus odds. But um, I just like Jacksonville in this spot. I think Hopkins is getting a lot of money just because of their their pedigree. And, uh you know, Jacksonville, they they beat UNC. UNC is probably not going to be as good as we've typically seen from them, but beat UNC in the scrimmage. Um, you know, not returning a few people on defense, but same goaltenders last year. They have high expectations. They went 14-2 and two last year before losing by one goal to Richmond and missing out on their first NCAA playoff berth. I think they're hungry, and I think they're going to be, you know, a competitor in this, uh, this season and currently ranked 18th, I think, in both USA – uh, Nike pole as well as inside lacrosse. So, um, you know, favored for a reason, I think, in this spot. And I think you're getting a good price on them to to cover the spread against Hopkins. Despite losing to Hopkins last year, I still think this is a good spot. Brian, anything you want to add on that game? Sorry if I stole some of your thunder on that one. No, no, I left it for you on purpose. I, I think we're in total agreement. And uh, I'm mad I didn't wait. I thought actually it, it opened at 120 plus 125. And uh, I – went on it immediately because, or we saw, we saw some scrimmage results, which shouldn't really be the whole basis of the play. We like the price and the line. 
uh, given Hopkins. They lost to Lynchburg in a scrimmage. So, you know, you know, beating UNC, but losing to Lynchburg kind of cancels out. Maybe, you know, you can't, the scrimmage is different. Like, I mean, we both played, you sometimes play five quarters or whatever, not really a quarter, I guess, five period. So um, take it for what it's worth. But I I think this roster on paper is uh, um, good enough to beat this Hopkins team that I think is going to be better, but, you know, I just don't think there's, I just don't think it's the Hopkins, you know, team that we've seen of previous years. I think people are still buying into this price. You know, you're going to see the Hopkins and the Syracuse of the world get a lot of public action. You know, people are going to be going to bet them. So the books know that they, they set these lines accordingly. So um, just be careful, you know, don't just bet based on name, definitely look at the matchup and um, some of these up and coming programs, like, you know, mentioned the Utah earlier um, and Denver at one point was upcoming program, but um some of these up and coming programs can hang with the best of them. So it's starting to be a little bit more parody in this NCAA. Sorry. I cut you, you off there. No, 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 you're fine. I mean, the play is more of a fate of Hopkins more than it is my love of Jacksonville, even though last year they were a really fun team to follow and a very lucrative team to bet on as someone who was underestimated by the, by the books to begin with. So it's nice to see them getting a little bit of respect, but it's funny to see the, the price for the minus one and a half uh, go from plus 125 to 135. So public sentiment seems to be on Hopkins side, whereas we're advertising Jacksonville side. So just an interesting thing to keep track of. And it was, and it was, it wasn't even, it didn't even open at plus 125. We, I think we both bet it at plus 125 like last week, but when it opened, it was, uh, I believe like minus 110. Like it was pretty, it was a pretty standard line. It's just inflated because, you know, Hopkins has got bet down. I mean, Hopkins, you think was like one plus one thirty probably on the money line, and now all the way down to minus one fifteen. You know, and essentially a pick'em. So, um, a good amount of money for them to to move that line. And although this is a game that I wouldn't, you know, hate betting a money line play on Jacksonville if you're not comfortable laying the spread. I think the other thing to think about with betting these games is picking your spots too, and being willing to actually, you know, there's two schools of thought too with like unit size, but I usually risk what i to what i can make a unit on so if i let's say if i'm betting uh you know something's minus 110 i will bet 1.1 unit to make one unit that's how i bet and so don't be afraid to kind of bet these spots where you know where if it's plus money i'm just betting a unit each time so sometimes when you're betting long term i've been doing this a lot with the nll where i could lay a little bit more money to get that plus one and a half but if i really like a team to cover the plus one and a half, you know, I probably like them to win outright as well. So I'll lean towards the money line. Does it burn you? Sometimes it burned me against Sask and, you know, San Diego, Saskatchewan lost in overtime. Whereas if I had that plus one and a half, I would have won my bet. But to me, it's like, I'm still losing less than what I would have probably bet if they ended up losing by two. Um, So long way of saying, you know, don't lay so much money. Like I, I rarely lay anything more than minus 140. Um, and sometimes if you see some of these spreads, like if you like a Syracuse, um, you know, I'm trying to see where they're at right now. I, for some reason I don't see them on here. Um, but Syracuse is minus two and a half. Um, but I'll use, I'll use the VMI as an example. You could bet VMI, you could lay, you know, minus 125 to bet VMI plus one and a half. Hey, maybe they win. Maybe they only lose by one, but the odds of them only lo- losing by one um, are probably much thinner than them winning outright. So you betting them on the money line, I think is the right call because you can get a better price on it and you're not risking as much. A lot of it comes down to not only like, you know, making a lot of money, but how much you're willing to risk. And so if you're going to bet some of these heavy favorites, 
you know, just be careful. Like you shouldn't really bet, be betting. Like don't go out and bet Maryland on the money line. Um, at my 2,800, you know, um, you're not going to get that big of a return in the long run. It's not going to hurt you. Like if Maryland's going to win, they're probably going to win by margin. So if you like them well enough, bet them on the spread, you know, and if you don't stay off of it, so you don't have to bet everything, but, um, just being smart, you know, with how much you risk as well. So and, that's and my last mean, sense. Anything and, parting and, thoughts? Sorry, Hutton. I said, said any parting thoughts from you guys, Brian, you go first and then Justin, you can wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, I just want to I just want to comment on that real fast. It's also a price thing. Like if if VMI was only like minus one hundred five on the money line, I might take the extra point with the plus one and a half at minus one twenty. But given that the money line is so inflated, and I get such a higher return for that one goal. I go money line anyway. So you can also think about it that way. Like if 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 the money line price is so much better than the plus one and a half, if the plus one and a half is too juiced, it might just be worth sacrificing the odd of them losing by one goal. That, that's my closing thoughts. I thought that was a good uh, spiel that you were on, though. Yep, agree. JB, what's up, man? Yeah, um, I, I think just something to take into account is these first couple weeks, not every single team is going to have the same number of games played. So that's mm-hmm. going to be something to watch as, as we go along. There's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, more teams with more experience as the first couple weeks go on. So just take that into consideration. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, and the other thing too, I recommend, like I, I said too, with like John down plays, if you're not comfortable, once these games end on Saturday or, and you know, and Sunday rolls around, we probably won't get odds till usually Monday, Tuesday night. I, I like to look at the next week's games and just pick your spots, kind of set your own odds, see like what you would like. And then when the odds come out, see if, you know, it kind of aligns, if it aligns, then you're probably going to stay off of that. If there's a, you know, an outlier, you know, then that's where you kind of want to you know, pick your spots and stuff. So that's something too. Like um, sometimes we do get caught up too in like the price. Like I'm not betting Jacksonville minus one and a half because it's plus one thirty five. Um, I love that it's plus one thirty five. I'm definitely not complaining about it, but I would still like it. You know, down to minus one ten. Whereas if you're only betting because of the price, um, you can kind of get into a bad habit of you know getting you know going after the eye catchy like plus money plays and not always profitable to do that you want to pick your spots with that type of stuff um you know you want to kind of ask yourself if the line was reversed but i like the other team you know that's kind of a good rule of thumb too um and if you would like the other team then you're probably going more off price than you are if you would flip the line and you're like i don't like the other team then you actually probably have a pretty good play there because you like that team for a variety of reasons not just because of the price so that's another kind of good rule of thumb as well but that's gonna do it for our show this week um, appreciate everybody tuning in. If you came in late, uh, you can listen to the recording. I'm also going to try to pop this up on uh, our uh, podcast feed as well. Hoping to do this uh, as frequently as possible. You know, I don't want to commit to every week, but um, we're going to try to do it as much as possible. Um, I know Brian is hard at work too on that betting report. So we'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, but thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, good luck on all your bets this weekend. Mm-hmm.